Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our society has become one in which almost no topic is off-limits. As so-called enlightened people, we pride ourselves on our ability to openly discuss just about any subject. Still, except among those viewed as having rather dreary outlooks on life, there is one particular subject that is almost universally avoided. That subject is death. Certainly there is public debate about many subjects which are considered by many to be only peripheral to death. Things like euthanasia or embryonic stem cell research and of course abortion. The death is in no way peripheral, of course, to those individuals who become victims of those ways to die. Yet, usually in a protective attempt to avoid reality or inflaming passions, the debate often gets focused on the social or economic or psychological effects rather than on the termination of a human life. And that's usually just about as far as most are willing to take this discussion at least in settings apart from those closest to us, and not even always then. Why do you think that is? I think in many ways, it's because of fear, or due to finding death distasteful. Many people hold on to the view that death is nothing more than the ugly and bitter end to life. Think about this for a minute. Why else, other than our discomfort with death, would cause us to spend so much time and resources and effort preparing bodies for viewing after they die. The reason, of course, is because we don't want them to appear dead. We even hear people saying things at wakes and funerals such as, he looks really good, or it looks just like her, doesn't it? Life is good, the world says, but death is bad. For many of us, Death is also seen as a complete negative. Whether we like to admit it or not, at times our faith in God does waver, and our sinful nature gives in to the widely accepted notion that death is an end, after which there only lies uncertainty. We also view death in a pessimistic way because of the pain and the suffering that is often experienced by those who are dying. Furthermore, there is a degree of suffering by those who are left behind to mourn after a loved one dies. Have you ever noticed how in most cases no one even likes to describe someone who has died as being dead? Instead, we avoid that uncomfortable D word. We substitute for it, referring instead to the dead person as having passed away or passed on or perhaps simply saying that person is no longer with us. I even find myself doing it sometimes usually to avoid any offense being taken. To say that a person was dead would be to sound insensitive or sound ugly or to some even crude. The only time we tend to proudly proclaim a person's death is if it can somehow be interpreted as being noble or heroic. Otherwise, when it comes to the more common ways of dying, we avoid talking about it because these regular ways of dying, they carry no glory or honor for the one who has died. Instead, we often think of a person's final days as ones of purposeless suffering leading to a bitter end. 
There seems to be no glory, no triumph, and certainly no joy in the kinds of death that most people witness and that most of us will indeed experience ourselves. We often mistakenly believe that bodily death can only be associated with pain and suffering and loss. But this is not the way that we as Christians are to see death, whether it's that of our own bodies or those of anyone else who has died in Christ. Our Lord, despite the world's view, has chosen to use bodily death as a means to demonstrate His glory and His power to the world. By taking a closer look at our text from St. John this morning, we can see how Jesus did this through the death and the resurrection of Lazarus. Now, we don't know what sort of disease it was that that, uh, Lazarus suffered from as he was going through it prior to his death. It is fair to say, however, that it was severe enough that Mary and Martha felt it necessary to send a messenger to Jesus to tell him of this serious situation. But Jesus didn't respond immediately instead allowing Lazarus to remain ill at least two more days before setting off. Where's the glory in that, we might ask? Why didn't Jesus simply go there right away and remedy the situation before Lazarus became so sick and then died? Wouldn't God's glory still have been evident if Jesus had come and healed Lazarus rather than putting him and his family through all of that suffering and pain and then his death? Perhaps. But if Jesus had come sooner and prevented the death of his friend, he would not have been able to demonstrate that it is in suffering and in death rather than in life that God's glory can be seen. Besides, St. John clearly indicates why it is Jesus did not immediately go to Lazarus' side. Jesus did not go because he loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. It says just that, you know, in one of those verses that precede our gospel text for today. And that seems kind of strange to us, doesn't it? Lazarus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus so much that he let Lazarus suffer and die. Throughout chapter 11, in spite of Jesus' promises, it becomes apparent that these two sisters are confused by Jesus' seeming lack of concern. Each one of them takes a turn telling Jesus, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. And isn't this how we sometimes also approach our Lord when a fellow Christian that we care about is about to die or has died? We mistakenly believe that if God really cared, if He had really been there at the side of this friend or loved one, surely they would not have died. We who claim to be Christians are not supposed to fear death as does the rest of the world. But we often show no more understanding than did Martha or Mary. In all sorts of situations, we often wonder why it is God simply stands at a distance and allows suffering and death that we know that He could prevent with a mere word. We especially don't like to suffer ourselves, whether it be pain, discomfort, embarrassment, poverty, or ridicule. What we need to realize and more firmly remember is that the reason that our Lord allows Christians to suffer in this life and to eventually die is the same reason as it was for Lazarus. He does it so that God's glory might be seen. The cause of death is sin, but the purpose of death is quite another thing. 
This is certainly not to say that God's glory is seen only through suffering, death, and resurrection of the body. For we, all, we are also witnesses to the glory, His glory, through the dying and the raising that takes place through His gifts in the holy sacraments, through baptism and the holy supper, and also in the absolution that we receive after confessing our sins. The old Adam in each of us suffers and dies too. And then a new person rises forgiven of all of his or her sins, according an account of Christ. When we arrive at the moment when Jesus calls Lazarus from his tomb, God's glory in Christ is clearly shown. Jesus demonstrates his power and his authority over suffering and death. And then what is the result? What is the great, what's the point of this dramatic demonstration of Jesus' divine glory? You find it in the concluding verse of our Gospel text. St. John writes, Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what He did, believed in Him. This, then, is why our Lord allowed His close friend Lazarus to suffer and to die, so that in raising Lazarus from the dead and thereby demonstrating His divine majesty, those who were once some of Jesus' greatest skeptics would now become his devoted followers. For those who are doubtful of the Christian faith, even in our day and age, the same thing can often happen. Perhaps you have heard of skeptical people witnessing a Christian receiving God's forgiveness in baptism or the Lord's Supper or in absolution, and as a result, being drawn closer to saving faith in Christ. Those who were Jesus' followers before and after this event, however, would soon see God's glory in a death in a way that would never be imagined. What had occurred with Lazarus was only a foreshadowing of the greater showing of God's glory yet to come. This greater occasion would be Christ's suffering at the hands of His enemies and His subsequent death by crucifixion. And at first glance, these sort of things don't appear to be all that glorious. Did God really have to allow Jesus to suffer the merciless beatings and the humiliation which He endured? Did Jesus really have to endure such agony on the cross in order that His glory might be shown? Absolutely. Through Jesus' death on the cross, God's glory is manifested in two ways. First of all, in that on the cross, all of the sins that ever had been committed or ever would be committed by me, by you or by anyone else, were paid for through a process of suffering and death that appeared both inglorious and highly undignified. God's glory was shown in His Son through the punishment that He bore on our behalf. Second, once He was crucified, Christ entered into His state of exaltation. He descended into hell itself to declare victory, to vanquish death once and for all. Even though our Heavenly Father allowed Jesus to suffer and die in a most brutal fashion, there was a divine purpose to it all. That His glory would shine, shine through it all as His Son defeated sin and death and the devil. But what glory, you may wonder, could there possibly be in our death or in the deaths of others whom we deeply care about? When Lazarus died and was raised again by Jesus, we can now perhaps understand how God's glory was seen through Lazarus' suffering, death, and resurrection. And when Jesus died and rose again, 
we can certainly comprehend with the heart of faith how God's glory was evident in His suffering, death, and resurrection. But when it comes to the deaths that you and I witness, the ones that we see on a day-to-day basis in the news, and especially the deaths that we ourselves will one day face, we often question how it is that God's glory could possibly be seen. In deaths such as ours, it seems that there is nothing left for God to accomplish in death. To begin with, one must realize that when Lazarus suffered and died and rose from the dead, once he did, he was no longer suffering from that deadly physical illness that had previously plagued him. And when Jesus died and rose from the dead, he no longer suffered from bearing the weight of the sins of the entire world. So then, when we and others who are Christians die, we also no longer suffer. In this, God's glory is shown because at that very moment, on account of our Savior's glorious death, our sins are covered in His blood and our burdens of this life are lifted from us forever. Clothed in Jesus' righteousness, freed from all of the difficulties and trials of earthly life, our Lord awaits us and He welcomes us into His kingdom. As Luther once said, So the righteous seem in the sight of the unwise to die, but they are in peace. We do resemble those who die, and the outward appearance of our death is not different from that of others. But the thing itself is different nevertheless, because for us, death is dead. Even better, for those of us who die in Christ, there is more to look forward to than the simple release from our earthly sufferings. Just like Lazarus and our Lord Jesus, we too will one day experience a bodily resurrection. As Jesus called Lazarus forth from the tomb, so He will also call us out of our earthly graves at the proper time. Now then, as we come to realize that death has a purpose because it demonstrates God's glory, we also come to understand that for us Christians, death and talking about death no longer need be avoided or feared. For when we witness the death of the Christian, we can point to the death and the resurrection of Lazarus and the death and the triumphant resurrection of Christ, saying along with the Reformer, Thus we honorably carry the dead to the grave, following the corpse, singing and praying as a testimony and indication of our faith that these very dead, and we together with them, will rise on Judgment Day. Because of what our Lord has done, because His glory was shown in the death and resurrection of Lazarus, And because His glory was made complete in His own death and resurrection, we no longer view death as the world does. Since we do not see death as a bitter end that most of those around us do, we as Christians can say that we do not fear the death of the body. Rather, we can view it as though the very glory of God can be seen in it. We die to sin, and we live in Christ. In the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.